the show you need to get what you desire by avoiding the mistakes made by others before you. Learn the stories and journeys of what success looks like to find the freedom you deserve while thriving with your best life. And now I present to you the one, the only Rapid Results with Andrew Wise. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Rapid Results with Andrew Weiss. We have the incredible Russell today, Russell Lundstrom. And in case you don't know who this guy is, Russell teaches small business entrepreneurs how to get at least 10x more value from their marketing by leveraging his proprietary marketing plan formula. Russell is also known as the Marketect. He's here to talk about marketing, sales, scaling, being awesome in general. And so with that said, Russell, tell us, what is the biggest and best business deal you're most proud of? Well, now that I'm blushing, <laughs> first of all, thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Um, biggest and best story? Um, probably one of the most recent ones that was actually one of the key pieces to um, the development of this marketing plan formula was... Um, I've been really lucky to work with some really amazing brands through the years. And this was three, four years ago. Um, I started working with Rich Dad, Poor Dad companies. So, which for me was an honor because um, in all reality, in my my early entrepreneur years, you know, you, you get beat down pretty good as an entrepreneur. And there was a period of time where I took a break and I kind of took my entrepreneur hat off. And my mom gave me Rich Dad, Poor Dad as a gift. And that's what inspired me to get back into this crazy world. And um, so for me to be able to go back and help Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that was really an honor. But what the situation was is they have, you can imagine Rich Dad, Poor Dad has been around for 30, 40 years, right? Yeah. And, And millions and millions of people around the world. And so they had this website and, and I don't know if you know this, but they have something like 35 different offers. You know, they, they deal with everything from personal development to finance to small business entrepreneurs and, of course, real estate. And, and there's a whole world of stuff that they help people with. Well, they had an issue where they had over 100,000 visitors a month organic coming into the website, but people weren't able to find what they needed to get the right help, right? If I'm an advanced, for example, if I'm an advanced uh, real estate investor, I don't necessarily want to hear about the latest cryptocurrency offer or, you know, a personal development. I want to know specifically, you know, what are some advanced tax strategies for advanced real estate stuff? So how do we take these organic people and um, get them to where they need to be to get the most value from Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So we did this process and and I'll credit Ryan Levesque. He's the one that taught me how to do all this stuff. But we did a a survey and deep dive in customer research. And we it was a process that took about eight or nine months. But at the end of the day now, now these 100,000 people, we basically reverse engineered their entire audience to where we knew, uh, you know, and statistically, numerically, all right, we knew 27% were coming in into the real estate bucket. And then real estate broke down into beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And then 
And then within each of those, there were three or four different things that they were there for. Well, we knew all that by doing the research and we could reverse engineer these pathways. And as a result, um, they, I think their average conversion lift was about 60% on, on getting people where they needed to be. And it, and it was a, it was a complex but simple process of really just listening to your customers. Well, <laughs> you're telling me that uh, when you got brought on to the Rich Dad Poor Dad team, they didn't know how to listen to their customers until you were brought on? <laughs> they did. But, you know, what happens in business, I've seen. Um, and so I'm, I'm really just been lucky. Like I, the people I hang out with are business owners. Entrepreneurs are just my people. And so that's all I know. It's all I know how to do. And, um, you know, don't ask me to do math or anything really sophisticated. I know marketing and I know entrepreneurs, um, but they knew it. But what happens is, is as your as that flywheel of your business starts going, you start getting pulled in a million different directions. And so rich dad, poor dad was a situation where they've been around 30 plus years with more than 30 different offers. And so it kind of comes down to, and this is what I meant when I said that this event or this project was a big part of the, of, of the development of the marketing plan formula was you, every business, even rich dad, poor dad has limited resources, right? You've only got so much time, money, and effort to deploy in any given day. And so you need to be able to make those decisions. So it wasn't that they didn't know their customers. It's just, you know, where do you put that in terms of your priority list when they're doing all this other stuff, right? And they're a global brand, their whole team. And you're talking about a lot of resources, but it's also a lot of complexity. Interesting. So, interesting. No, that's a good explanation of things. So going back to you're working with Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I'm curious, like, what caused you to go after the millions of dollars and make it happen, not just for yourself, for other people? Was it just reading that one book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Or what oh, made, what gosh. was that moment? You're like, I, I'm going to go after <laughs> to go all the way millions. back to the beginning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We want to hear that story. So my, I, I'm, my dad was an immigrant and it was the true American immigrant story. You know, he came over from Europe in the fifties with, you know, a hundred dollars in his pocket and wow. he came to America because this was the place where dreams can happen. Right. It wasn't in Europe where he was. And so he he had that immigrant mentality. Um, and that's what we were raised with. So I was that kid. You know, I remember in I don't remember if it was seventh or eighth grade or what it was, but I was that kid. I was hand drawing comic books and selling them. And and I think by the time I was 20 years old, I had started three or four different companies. Um and wow. so it was just one of those things where I didn't know any better. I didn't know anything else. And that's all my dad instilled in me. And, and he his I have it on our site, but his philosophy was simply, you know, to be successful in business, you just have to provide value for someone. And and that's where I believe entrepreneurs make the world a better place is you're you're simply just providing value for people. There's no zero sum game in business. Um, so um, that was kind of the genesis of it. And you know, I I've had odd jobs here and there throughout my life, mostly cooking or dishwashing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, we we. Um, you know, I, I came out, I got a degree in business um, from 
a local college here. And that was the first time I felt like, hey, I kind of knew what I was meant to do. Still not quite sure on that one, but um, um, that was it, you know. And and throughout the my life, I've started, gosh, over 20, 25 businesses. And I, I say that almost with a, a bit of embarrassment because theoretically, right, when you're an entrepreneur and you're starting out, you want to hit that home run yeah. where you don't have to start 25 businesses, you know. Or, or maybe you get the opportunity to start 25 businesses. But for me, I had to. Um, you know, what do you mean by uh, you, you had to? Like some of them weren't working. They, they, oh, they no. Yeah, more more blow-ups and bankrupts. I mean, I've made and lost so much money, it's ridiculous. <laughs> wow. And, and, and that's just it. You know, you have, to, um, you have to go to bat. It's not about how many mistakes you make. It's how many times you get back up. And... Um, so it's, it's, it's not a case of, yeah, I've started 20, I've been lucky. I've had a, you know, four or five multi-million dollar companies now. Um, but more importantly, like I said, I've spent the last 10 years working with other entrepreneurs and helping like everything from rich dad, poor dad down to my local barbershop. Right. Um, that was my goal um, is really, I just want to help entrepreneurs. That's kind of why I live and breathe. So what was that? first company you were able to scale to uh, seven figures and how were you able to get the mindset and strategies to make that happen? Um, so I, I don't think you can discount luck. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, and it, it's, what's that old saying? I can't remember who, who coined it, but you know, it's, it's uh, luck is the crossroads of preparation and, and, luck or success is the crossroads of luck and preparation. Right. So mm -hmm. when I graduated in 92 with a degree in business, of course I didn't have any idea what I was going to do. I was cooking at a, at a hotel here, Brown palace. And my dad was like, he's like, you need to get a job and get out of my basement. And <laughs> uh, so he, he, he was an insurance sales. He worked for state farm. It's also interesting, even though he worked for State Farm, he thought that was his own business. He was just selling State Farm products. So he treated that as an entrepreneurial endeavor too. But anyway, um, he got me with one of his clients, this guy who was actually in network marketing. and But I didn't know at the time what it was. All he did is I went over to his house and he, laid, he did his presentation for me. And it was a company called Quorum, which was a multi-level marketing deal. And all he said is, if you do this, you can get this. And in my young, young, dumb mind was like, well, all right, point me to the door. What do I got to do? And yeah. uh, so I started working with that opportunity um, back in 92, 93. And where it exploded for me was, again, my family's from Europe, right? And so this company was launching and we had heard all these stories out of Europe um, where people literally with like suitcases of money and selling and signing up people and all this stuff. And the guy who brought me into the business, Jim was like, don't you have family in Europe? We should go to Europe. And so literally I think on, on the same morning, I, I had coffee with him that morning, that afternoon, I was on the phone to my cousin uh, in Sweden who just happened to be, um, also doing an MLM thing over there called Herbalife. Everyone's heard of Herbalife, yeah. right? 
And I call him and I'm like, hey, I got this thing. I don't know if you've ever heard about it. I don't know if you know anything about it. Um, but I'm thinking of coming over and let's open Sweden. It was Sweden. And he, I'm like, let's open Sweden. We'll be the first people there. And again, just young and dumb counts for a lot, right? So they were having this European convention. It was, I remember it was Thanksgiving, like Thanksgiving day. I flew over to Paris for the convention and um, really had no clue at all what I was going to do, where I was going to go, whatever. And I remember, and this, this is where the luck factor comes in, right? I'm sitting in this cafeteria at Euro Disney in like 19, whatever, 90 something. They had just opened. This is where the convention was. And it's because of the jet lag, it's like four in the morning. And I, I can't figure out how to order a cup of coffee. They keep bringing me <laughs> these little espressos. <laughs> like, a cup of coffee. Yeah. And the only other guy sitting in the, in the restaurant at four in the morning, he's sitting there chuckling and, um, he, he comes over and he's British and he's like, you can't order a cafe. That's an espresso. You have to order an Americano. That's the American coffee. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Again, I'm just young and dumb. Right. And so we get to talking. Well, it turns out he's, He's from the UK office of this company that I was working for. And again, I don't know anything. Wow. And I'm showing yeah. them all our plans for opening up Sweden. I don't know that you have to have, you know, a, a legal company and you have to have government permission and all this stuff. I'm just like, oh no, we're gonna open up Sweden. And and so he's like, Well, we're not even legally able to do business there. And and so we work it out. So long story short is he's like, look, sign people up in, in the UK. We'll, we'll load up a uh, crate and ship it over to Sweden. This was Thanksgiving, right? So I had maybe 60 days till Christmas. So my cousin and I, it, it, it would kind of make probably a good movie, but he had, he had studied Russia. He had one of those little tiny Russian cars. I don't even know what they are, they're, but they're, they're about as big as a smart car. And I remember it was so old and rusty. We were sitting on milk crates in the car. It didn't have seats and there were holes in the ground and the snow and the ice and the water was coming up into the cars. We're driving around Sweden. Long story short is it took off. Um, I think that first year in business, we did something close to six and a half million in sales. Um, and Wait, yeah. how, are you, how are you making the sales in the UK though? Like, were you going door to door? Were you like, go, it's, so it's yeah. network marketing, right? So we started, um, started with my cousin I think one of the first people we talked to was a father, son, they owned a uh, laundry, no, a, a beauty salon, Kenny and Thomas Nordland and, you know, pretty gruff people. And, and Kenny, his son, the young kid, he was maybe 14, 15 years old, but they latched on, they introduced us to a few people. It's like the ultimate networking thing. Right. And, and this is where it eventually led. I, I ended up, I, came, I went home at Christmas, came back after Christmas, but that second trip over there, I actually sat down with like the daughter of the king of Sweden and pitched them on this thing. It was what? Really, <laughs> it was crazy. But um, and then you married her? No. Oh darn it! Boy, there are a lot of attractive Swedish ladies. Let me tell you. That. <laughs> oh, especially after watching. That was a good yeah. time. But yeah. so here's here's where failure sets in, right? So. Back then, um, network marketing, it might still be today, I don't know, um, is kind of a brutal business. And so it's, you know, it's the 
if you don't know network marketing, think pyramid scheme. It's not a scheme, but pyramid, right? So if, if all the money's down at the base of the pyramid, the people at the top of the pyramid don't get any. And so after about six, seven months of being in Europe, I, I was coming home and, and, you know, really excited. And, and cause I'd seen, we were talking in front of 2000 people at one point. Wow. And, um, you know, selling cargo ships, you know, or cargo containers full of product. And it was going really great expecting to come home to a nice stack of checks and I get home and there's nothing. And you had uh, sold six, six million dollars worth of products and you didn't get any. Uh, at that time it was probably almost a million. It wasn't because it, mm-hmm. again, if you invert that pyramid, it grows exponentially towards the end. So we had maybe done, yeah, maybe half a million to, to 700,000 at that point. Um, but I still expected, you know, I think the average commission was around six, 7%. And yeah, that, something. <laughs> and yeah. anyway, long story short, I, I got home, no checks, no nothing, called the company and they're like, Russell who? So someone had gone in and deleted me and about 10 other people out of the computer in the pay line so that that money would roll up to the bigger players above us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I would quit ever doing any business entrepreneurship ever again after that. (laughs) So all that to be said, yeah, I, uh, to this day, I never, I I mean, I had a great, it was a wonderful experience, but I didn't make any money. That's crazy. Whereas my cousin did real well. He ended up buying Quorum Europe and he's had an amazing life too now because of it. So uh, he, how did he not get deleted? It sounds like he, he might was have... through the UK office. We uh, were through the US office. And so he was at the top. Interesting. Well, and it's, this reminds me too. So I read uh, a book. Um, there's, there's a um, customer born every minute. Um, I, f- I forget the author. It's like Vivaldi or something like that, but it's about the PT Barnum story. And uh, he talks about how P.T. Barnum, you know, even before he started the circus, he was a serial entrepreneur, did all these businesses, and he made all this money, but then he lost it all. And after he lost it all, they're like, hey, can you give a speech about how to make a bunch of money? And he's like, what are you talking about? I just lost <laughs> lost it all. And they're yeah. like, well, you had to make a lot of money in order to lose it. So we, you still know how to make money. And he's like, okay, that, that, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, and that's 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 a really good point for your listeners is, you know, failure is hard. Like I was pretty devastated after that. Um, and it was the first of about 10 of those things. Um, but you you have to um, that's just it. Like every time you fail, the next time you try, you know that much more and you can cut that learning curve down. Yeah. Right. So you can skip over the mistakes. So the next time, and then, and so I, I took about a three month pause and I went into another networking deal that was starting in the U S did pretty good with that. Um, in Colorado, it's called travel max. Um, but the mistake I made in that one was the owners and founders of that company were really young in Newport beach, California. And, um, while we were doing really good and, you know, around the country, they were spending all the money at the corporate level. They, they had gotten into Baja racing and, and I've heard, I heard stories about them waste, you know, $5 million a week spend parties and ridiculous stuff like this. And, and so again, long story short, they went out of business. There I was again, 
I built up a nice little thing and it went away. And I was like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm not going to let anyone else dictate my future. And that's where I had this idea to start a software company um, in 97, 98 uh, for the network marketing industry. There wasn't anything there. Now, you're too young. You don't remember this. But in 97, 98 was the birth of the dot-com bubble. Oh, interesting. And, mm-hmm. The so birth of the birth. Oh, be birth, right? Yeah. Birth, yeah. yeah. Um, which is cool, right? Like, I, I got to grow up when with the internet. I remember when there wasn't an internet. And yeah. uh, so I started a software company. But the mistake I made there was in 2000, we raised money and developed the software. And this, this again, is like you don't see what you don't see. We made a piece of software and the whole world is looking at dot com saying, Hey, I want a I want a website. So we had in back then you had a floppy disk. We were out trying to sell a floppy disk and everyone's going, Well, where's the website? I want the web version. <laughs> yeah. We're like, we don't have a web version, we've got a disk. And it, and that's like trying to sell a horse and buggy cart to someone that wants a car. Yeah. And so that I and, and that that was where I was like, All right, failure number three, I need a break. <laughs> yeah. And so, so, so did you like take a job at that point when you need a break? What yeah. My, uh, <laughs> so my, my wife was going to school in Germany at the time. And um, so my brother called and he's like, he lived in San Diego and he's like, Hey, I kicked my girlfriend out. I got a room and MTV beach house is here. You want to come out and spend the summer here? <laughs> yeah, cool. <I'm> in. <laughs> cool. Nice. And I had nothing left. So I just jumped in my truck and drove out and I got a job, you know, with the, with the software and the European experience, I got a job in the translation world. And is uh, English your first language? Yeah. Okay. It's it's barely my only language for us <laughs> to speak that good of English. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got a I got a job as a project manager in a translation company, and um, they were a dot com victim too. They not victim. They they blew through three million dollars of VC money in like six months. Um, but at the time, you know what a great business to translate websites and software into foreign languages. Yeah, which again, I had no clue how to do. It was just an opportunity, and I looked at two guys on my production team and said, "Hey, let's the demands there. Let's just go home. We'll throw up a website and keep on rolling." And that was truly my first um, genuine seven-figure business was the translation company. Wow! Uh, Wait, and, and uh, you were part owner in that, or or how? Yeah, I had two yeah. partners. Got it. Okay, very cool. Nice. So um, they they were they were my production managers in the in the prior company. So it sounds like uh, right out of college. I mean, I mean, just just from my perspective, like it's still a lot of success of you being able to scale these companies. And yes, you didn't get paid for the first three of them, but you know you've already had the tenacity and like the somehow the know how how to do sales right out of the gate. And that's what it sounds like to me. Am I, am I far off from that? Um. Maybe again, there's luck. There's not knowing any different, and mostly it's ambition. Again, it's it's for me. It's the idea of a vision, right? You have a personal vision for yourself, um, but you also then have this opportunity vision or company vision. And when those two come together and they align, there's really nothing that can stop you, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why 
I'm I, in my in in this new thing I'm doing with the marketing plan formula. Like your vision is a big part of that. You need to you need to have something that when the chips are down and you're down, you need to be able to look at that and go, all right, there's a bigger purpose here and why I'm doing this. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. How do you go about crafting a personal versus a company vision? Um, you know, when, when I was younger, it was all about, you know, money and lifestyle and making, you know, like Steve Jobs said, make your dent in the universe. Mm -hmm. And I used to drive around and look at these big, tall skyscrapers and imagine, you know, my company name on the skyscraper and that sort of thing. Um, but in, in today's world and, and what's astounding is there's more opportunity out there right now than has ever been out before. I mean, I look at like all these new opportunities with AI and, and what's going on. It's almost too much, too much opportunity. Like if you're an entrepreneur and you have your own business, you need to put the blinders on and, and stop looking for other stuff. Yeah. Um, so the vision stuff is is interesting because uh, again with all the people I've worked with your vision is not some trite statement you put on a kitty cat poster hanging from a limb and and makes everyone feel good right it's you need to get into the the detail of it like what are you doing why are you doing it how are you going to affect people what's your product roadmap what's your people roadmap like you can when you're really clear on that vision and your objective you can reverse engineer everything else. And the hardest part, you've talked to enough business owners. Um, so you've probably heard them say, you know, I, I just wish my employees could get it, or I just wish people would see what I see, right? That idea. That's the vision. And so as an entrepreneur, part of your, your job is to get that vision out of your head and onto paper so the world can help you make it become a reality. Otherwise, everyone's just guessing at what the heck you're thinking of. <laughs> I, I love that, and uh, and, and I, I agree that a lot of people have that vision where they drive by the skyscrapers and they see these company names or these people's names. Like, I want to do that. I want to do that. But then, of course, they have to remember. Okay, I got to actually now start chipping away about getting there. Versus, I know mm -hmm. a lot of people just kind of keep it in their brains, like, oh, that'd be nice. That that sounds cool. But then, like, t actually chipping away to make that happen—that's a whole other beast. <laughs> so. Yeah. Great, great segue into that leads to, all right, I got this great vision. What do I do today? Yeah. Right. And, um, and again, it comes down for me in terms of resource allocation. I've, if I, even if I'm bootstrapping and I have no money, which is the only way I've ever done it, um, it, time is my valuable commodity. So if I've got eight hours to work today, where am I going to work that makes the biggest impact? And, and how do I prioritize that? Because as an entrepreneur, you got to wear 20 different hats every day. And so you need to know what hat to wear when. And that's, that's part of the hardest part of being a, an entrepreneur is, is hat management, we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Hat, hat management. Yeah. Hat management. yeah. And so let's get into uh, marketing a little bit. Um, let's talk about so what do people get wrong when it comes to marketing? Because so right now I'm reading a, a productivity book and Seth Godin, you know, one of the top marketers of all time. He was in the book and he's talking about people forget that yeah, you can be an incredible artist, you can be incredible at what you do, but if you don't know how to market and sell yourself, like it, it, it's not going to do any good. <laughs> and just yeah. like it's only unfortunate. Yeah. 
Well, first of all, Seth is the God for me. Like he's <laughs> one of the God, one of the, I'll, I'll say Godfather. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the smartest people alive. And I, I aspire if you're listening, I'd like to meet you one day. So you're right in that. And I think Peter Drucker said it too. Business has two functions, innovate and market. Yeah. You know, and cause history is littered. If you think about this, how many better mousetraps, how many brilliant ideas, how many things that could change the world are out there in the annals of history collecting dust because the entrepreneur didn't know how to get the word out, right? Mm-hmm. How many better mousetraps are out there? That's that's a stunning thought in and of itself. Um, so, yeah, you, you have this brilliant vision. Now, how do you go let people know about it? And this was my little epiphany in 2019 was, um, again, when you're clear on that vision, you can reverse engineer everything out of it. And the mistake people make in marketing is, uh, again, we have unlimited opportunities in marketing. I mean, good Lord, how many different social networks are there? How many channels are there? And that's just online. You go offline, you've got old school direct mail, billboards, wrapped cars. I mean, it's, and, and most of the time, people don't even know how to define what is marketing. You know, it's everything from the label printed on swag to your customer's uniform to how you answer the phone and your customer service. That's technically all marketing. Um, and so, again, as, as the entrepreneur, you, you only have a couple hours today. What are you going to do? And so this is where I, I figured out this process to be able to say, okay, look, marketing is a game of probabilities. It's it's a lot like stock investing, right? You can't, there's no guaranteed stock pick, right? If I say, hey, you need to go buy XYZ today, you're going to look at me like, all right, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. And and you do you do your research and you you put a little bit of money into it and all that. So it's a game of probabilities. Now, the way you stack the probability in your favor with marketing, oh, and and this is a good point too, because everyone today goes to YouTube University, and I don't know about you, but think of it in terms of that stock pick, you know, I'm not going to watch a YouTube video and go go put all my money into a a YouTube stock pick, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Although I'm sure that happens, it's probably not the smartest thing in the world to do. Same with marketing. There's a million and one... And they're all probably good. But here's the point. If you're an entrepreneur and you're starting your business today, marketing is simply, I I have this equation we solve and we really treat it like a math equation. And it's, it's called the master marketing equation. And the longer I use it, the more valuable it is. And it sounds very simple in the beginning, but I'd like to dive into it if we can. Yeah. But so the master marketing equation is, tell me, you've probably heard this. If you show the right message to the right person at the right time and place, typically you're going to have marketing that works, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Now, if we treat those like algebraic variables where we solve for the variable, the right message and the right time and place, those are your strategies. That's your Facebook, your Google, your blogs, your radio, whatever. Those both of those variables are 100% dependent on your right person. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you're selling to like a CEO, 
they need to hear a, a message from you about your product and service that might be different from, say, an extreme example, say, like a housewife. Completely different set of problems and needs that your marketing needs to talk to. So really the idea with marketing is not to go wide, but to go really, really tight in on who is that one person that's going to buy your product today, mm -hmm. right? Once you can identify that, and, and what I like to do, we typically work mostly with companies that do a half million to three million um, in revenue because you've also probably heard of the 80-20 principle, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And how many entrepreneurs have you talked to that go, yeah, I, I make 80% of my money from 20% of my customers? Uh, majority. <laughs> yeah, majority. Them, right? It's a principle yeah. because mm -hmm. it's a principle. Yeah. Well, so then it stands to reason, right? You, um, If you're defining your right person, marketing is expensive. Why not say, hey, my, my ideal customer is my most profitable customer? Because mm -hmm. then at least if my marketing works... At the theory level, I'm going to at least be getting my most profitable customers. Yeah. So that's the first step. I just shrunk my chair here. <laughs> You're good. That's the first step. Get all excited. In, in developing your marketing is getting really clear on where do you make money? Who derives the greatest value from the product or service you deliver? It's not everyone. If you're saying everyone's a customer, and I know Every entrepreneur you talk to is going to say, yes, my product works for everybody. That's great. But you need a customer today. Who is that person that's aware and, and ready to write you a check today? That's who we want to go make the marketing for. Then go do the research, find out what is the message they need to hear from you and where do they go to solve it, right? That dictates your marketing channels. If you're, yeah, everyone's hot into like, omni-channel marketing, you got to be everywhere every time. But if you think about it, that's also incredibly resource deep heavy. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, if you're posting on Instagram, you're posting on YouTube, you're posting on Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever, every time you do that, it takes time and money and effort to make those posts. So instead of just scatter, you know, scattering stuff out there, what most people do is the, the marketing plan is, Hey, I want to, throw as much stuff against the wall as I can and hope something sticks before I run out of money. Like that's a marketing plan that most people do. Instead, I want to go to my, let's say again, it's that CEO. They, they need to hear a specific message, but they're also, when they're trying to solve that problem, they go to specific places. They're reading specific blogs. They're, they're subscribing to specific newsletters. Maybe it's peer groups, right? Like we were talking about EO earlier. Maybe they, they make their decisions based on their peer groups. So now that's what's going to dictate my marketing strategies is what where do they go to be influenced? That's the right time and place. So you can now start puzzling all this together and say, all right, my most profitable customer is my RP. What is the message they need to hear? That locks in. Where do they go to solve it? That locks in. Now I have a cohesive, the puzzle's coming together. Right. And I can start now making decisions on how do I allocate my time and money and, and energy into the messaging, into the channels. I don't need to be everywhere every time. I need to be where they are and meet them where they are. And then I can get that customer today. And and so that's really what it's about, because cash flow is the name of the game. And if you if you can go get a customer today, that will give me the money to 
exist tomorrow so I can do more. And now I can start going out and doing branding and, and non-measurable marketing, you know, so... So how do you figure out how to stand out when you approach people with the right offer at the right time at the right place? I mean, if I, mean, I don't know about you, but it feels like I get 10, 15 pitches a day around roughly the, the same thing. And obviously, they, they don't not, not know what I need per se. But you know, let's take a, a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist, for example, and you know that you can help boost their business with Google Ads. But I'm sure they get pitched on Google Ad opportunities all the time. How do you uniquely get in front of people? Okay, so first of all, most marketing out there um, on these pitches that you get, right? Marketing agencies and companies, and and I don't blame them. This is a new idea, is this idea of architecture, right? Mm-hmm. The architect. What that is is if 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 you're going to build a house, right? You you've had this picture of your dream home your entire life. You can tell me how many bedrooms, bathrooms, what kind of a house it is, colonial, adobe, whatever. I mean, you can see it clearly, right? If the chance comes where you can finally go build this house, you got the money, you got the land, what do you do? Probably ask around, you need a builder, right? You need a general contractor. So you ask around, you're not probably going to Google. You might you know, who are local builders. Um, you know, you're, you're not reading blogs. You're not going to Facebook to find your builder, right? So that illustrates the channels. Um, but more importantly, you go to, you find your GC to build your house. The GC goes out and hires the plumbers, electricians, drywallers, the carpenters, the specialists to build your house. But in the real world, what's missing or what what you would never do is go make all that happen if you haven't hired an architect to do the blueprint for your house, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody could do their job if they don't have this blue piece of paper that says, this is what we're building. This is the materials we have. And here's how to get it done. Now everybody can go do their job and be successful. But in the in the small business world, what happens is, you, Andrew, say, I need marketing for my business. You probably go ask around and get a referral on a marketing agency. Well, that's the general contractor. And you go and hand them a bunch of money. They go hire the Google Ads specialists and all, you know, the plumbers, electricians, and drywallers. But what doesn't exist in the marketing world is the person who can build you the blueprint. And and that's what we do is we know how to build the blueprints and that's the, the I, I literally want to get it. Like my personal mission is to, I want you to be able to go to LinkedIn one day and search for jobs called architects, right? Mm, I love that. Yeah. Very cool. But, um, so we, we need to figure out, um, how to, how to build this blueprint piece. And so what you're not doing is you're not like the, when you said, you know, everyone's selling Google ad services or media buying Facebook ads, whatever the case may be, social media, all that stuff. Those are your specialists. That's your plumbers, electricians, and drywallers. Um, you don't know in the beginning, you need to know instead of trying to shove your business into a particular marketing strategy, you need to find the marketing strategies that fit with your business. Because mm. not all of them are appropriate. Again, that CEO is not going to Pinterest to find their next ERP system, right? It just doesn't make any sense. They go to a specific place to solve a specific problem. 
your job as the marketing architect is to find out what is that place. Does that so, make sense? So I, I think so. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, the architect obviously knows what the contractor needs to do, knows what the electrician needs to do, knows what the plumber needs to do. Like they know all these aspects of the business that need to happen in order for the house to be built. Um, and, and just so I can conceptualize it, can, can you give a specific example of a small yeah. business that you've helped or, or a small business that uh, what, what, what this architect plan looks like? How it works. Yes. Let me, let me yeah. give you a real example. So we worked in, 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 in town here, we worked with a business broker and they specialize in sell. So they sell businesses. Yeah. Um, but they sell specifically businesses that are under 5 million in revenue. Mm-hmm. Right. So your, your small mom and pop businesses, mostly not big giant companies and VC money, that stuff. Now they had a, they had a team of actual salespeople. I think there were 12 people on the team and they were literally out knocking on doors and strip malls and, hey, you want to sell your business? It worked, but it's terribly inefficient. So what we did with them is we came in and, and we said, all right, listen, print out all the deals you did last year and let's look at those. And, and let's look and say, um, not only in terms of revenue, but in terms of profit to the business, because every sale has a different profit amount. Um, some were really profitable and some were not profitable. So it has really nothing to do with revenue. Revenue is a pointless number. So we did that. We printed it out. Um, in summary, we analyzed the data it, and it turns out it was closer to 90% of their profit came from a small select group of businesses that were all in the home services industry, roofers, painters, uh, window companies, home services, right? So now we could come in and we could say, look, you have 15 salespeople. Now we can at least make a list and say, all right, give me the, every, all 50 of the top uh, painting companies in town, all 50 of the top roofing companies. So now we have targeted lists. But even further than that, now we could go and say, now we know what our marketing messaging is to speak to those people specifically. Hey, you've you know, you've started your painting business 20 years ago, you've done good, now it's time to retire and you want to sell. That message is going to cut through, hey, we're the best, right? So think of this, if, if you're looking to sell your, your home services business and you have three brokers in front of you, brokers one, two, and three are saying, we're the best, choose us, we'll get you the most money, standard marketing language. And then my friend comes in and says, hey, we specialize with home services companies. We understand your business. We know where to drive the value. We know what to tune up and make it shiny and pretty. Not only that, but we have a deep database of buyers looking specifically for your business. And we're the experts at home service business sales. Who do you think I'm going to choose? Well, the home, the home services guy for sure. Yeah. It's obvious, right? Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't know that if you didn't do the research. Mm. And so that's how you can cut through the noise and the clutter out there is, again, everything comes down to doing this customer research. If you're, you know, if you're selling, um, I don't know, give me an example of anything, right? Uh, Barbershops. Yeah. Who's your customer in your barbershop? Who's that customer that's been coming in for 10 years and you've made $50,000 on them? Let's go get more of that guy. Why does he come into your shop? What's important to him? What's, what are they, why do they keep coming back to your shop? 
And, and it's all about the customer. Your marketing should all be about them and nothing about you. Oh, I, uh, so this, this makes a lot of sense. And I love the way you, you describe things and have these metaphors and just like how much these click. And, and, and real quick, I know this is kind of like an hour-long podcast in itself. Yeah, we're, like, uh, I'm looking at the clock here going, yeah, good for them. Yeah, no, you're you're good, you're good. But like the uh, quote unquote dreaded niche word, like riches are in the niches kind of thing. Um, and so, how do you what what do you, what advice do you give to entrepreneurs to find their niche? And then, um, oh well, hopefully uh, Russell's computer didn't fall asleep again. We'll get him to <laughs> come back here. But I don't know about you, but I definitely love that analogy of the marketing blueprint and. Uh, Oh, there he is. Okay. All right. Sorry. Three, yeah, I, I got it. Again, I was all talking and forgot. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, so yeah, so what do, you, what do you tell people when they're like, Russell, I don't know how to find my, my niche. Um, and then how do you make sure people are in the, the right niche? You know, um, <laughs> luck factor, right? Luck factor. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, this reminds me of, uh, there, there's that funny movie. I don't know if you've seen it where like... Uh, Computer does or something times out. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, there's a funny movie where like the guy is so unlucky where um, his boss puts him in a conference room with like 20 chairs and he breaks one chair in the room <laughs> and he has the guy go in the room is like, all right, pick a seat, any seat. And the guy's like, any seat? And the guy's like, yeah. And he walks around the entire table and of course it's in the one chair that he broke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the story of my life. <laughs> okay. So the, the riches and niches thing. Yeah. So that, yeah. So yeah, for, 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 yeah, go ahead. Yeah. To me, what that means is, yeah, you want to, you, you, again, it's that idea of if you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody, mm -hmm. right? Like in your podcast, you're speaking to a specific person, young mm -hmm. entrepreneur, startup, whatever, you know, it's a specific message. Your message doesn't resonate with cooks. I mean, maybe yeah. if they have their own business, but you're not a cooking podcast, you're a small business podcast, mm -hmm. right? So when they say riches and niches, it's not so much that you want to limit your audience and limit your market. What you're doing is you're, you're coming in and solving a specific problem for a specific person. And that's to me what the riches and niches is. And, and really at the end of the day, uh, all, that's all a business is, is they're solving problems. You know, the only reason I buy something is because I have a problem or I want something. Yeah. And, and so especially if you're B2B or, you know, most B2C, I, I own a supplement business too. And, and people buy our supplements for a specific reason. So we just got to go and figure out what is that reason. And so when we say riches and niches, it's not necessarily limiting yourself. It's try to get all your marketing to be one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. You're talking to one person. You're never talking to a hundred. And if you can do that, then ultimately as a marketer, you want your customer to come at, come to you after they buy and go, you know what? Your marketing is so great. It's like you're reading my mind. <laughs> I love that. Then you know you've done a good job. In the home services um, example, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of fear, entrepreneurship, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I talking to the right people? Like in that example, how do you know that they're not leaving on the money on the table, not talking to dentists or not talking to barbershop owners? They're like, how... How do you make sure people aren't leaving money on the table with opportunity costs? As, as far as like switch, switching like the business in a startup situation. Well, in that, in that specific example, let's say you look past past at their past year and they saw the home services working, 
but they also haven't talked to dentists or, or lawyers okay. Or, okay. or yeah. You're you're that's a good question too. The the point is, um, and and this goes to marketing strategies, right? So especially if you're a young entrepreneur or young in, in the business life, again, cash flow is everything to the business. And so you need a customer today and tomorrow. That's true. Right. Yeah. To keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you might be leaving money on the table with the dentists and, and a bunch of other industries. That's that's the point. The riches are in the niches of being able to go get a customer today. Mm-hmm. You can always go get more customers and expand tomorrow, but only if you have the cash flow to do so. If you go out of business, it doesn't matter. No. And so and and that goes to strategies, right? If you're a brand new business. You know, SEO is a great marketing strategy, and I love to pick on it because I talk to so many business owners. That's the first place they start. Oh, we need a blog, and we need SEO, and all this stuff. SEO is a long game. If you don't need customers for seven months, eight months, nine months, and you've got $100,000 to invest in that, go for it. Otherwise, don't waste your time. Mm. Like, if you're a startup and you need customers today... SEO is probably not the best place to invest your time and money. Sorry. No, I, no I, I love that. I love what you said too. Like, yeah, there's, there's always quote unquote, and like you said in your own life, yes, I could have done things better. I could have done things differently, but you need money today. <laughs> and so do, do what works yeah. to get, to get money today. Uh, yeah. so I like that. And everyone's that way. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a handful of giant corporations that don't need cash, but, Every business runs on cash. Cash is king. Cash is yeah. king. Love that. Yeah. So, and 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 again, marketing is expensive. I mean, I can't tell you how many business owners I've talked to that it's it's literally almost every week. Oh, I hired XYZ marketing company and spent twenty, thirty thousand, forty thousand. Last week it was over a hundred thousand, and I got no leads. I got no sales. I got nothing. Right. Like I hear that all the time. And, it, and if I can never hear that story again, I'll, I'll then consider what I've done successful. Like it's <laughs> unnecessary. I love that. I love that. And no, th- thank you for helping to save the world and leave your impact, Russell. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, so we have a couple of questions left and then uh, yeah, we'll kind of wrap up here. I, I do want to talk about uh, EO and, and the, the entrepreneurs organization. You've been with yeah. them for 17 years. Tell us again why you joined it, how it's benefited you, and why you recommend other entrepreneurial people be part of it. And obviously, for those who are listening in, you do have to hit the seven-figure mark to be an EO, but they also have an accelerator program to get to that 250 mark. Um, but uh, go ahead and tell us like why we should work our butts off to get to that 250 and million mark. Um, yeah, I would, I would. So first of all, that would be for any entrepreneur out there, strive to get an EO. It is hands down the most valuable thing you can do in terms of a support network. And, and again, that idea of not reinventing the wheel, all your failures add up to your successes. Well, why not go hang out with a group of people that's already failed a million times and cut <laughs> through all the, the nonsense, right? That's kind of what it is. But I found EO back in 92 when I was doing that first uh, MLM deal. And I just, you know, I was, I think I was like 23, 24 years old and I was just alone. Being an entrepreneur is a really lonely gig. Um, I had a bit, you know, a good group of my college buddies, but I can't go sit at the bar and talk to them about payroll taxes and how do I let this person go because they're not performing and all that stuff that an entrepreneur has to do. 
And so I was really thinking like, Hey, I'm, and this was back when there were newspapers and classified ads. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to run a classified ad in the, in the local newspaper saying, Hey, if you're young and you're an entrepreneur, let's go to dinner. Oh, nice. Right. Cool. And I actually read an article in success magazine. Vern Harnish is the guy who started it. And it was his story. And that was him. He, he inherited his dad's business and at, in his twenties and was like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And so he did the same thing in Chicago and got, you know, people together and, and had this group and that was the genesis of it. And I, and, and it's funny, I read that and they had the same back then the requirement was you had to be under 30. It was called the young entrepreneurs organization. Mm -hmm. And luckily they dropped that because it took, uh, it took me, like I said, three, three businesses and about 10, 15 years to qualify. Wow. Um, but I finally got in and now I'm a lifer. They're going to have to drag my cold carcass out again. So. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And uh, what's, what's an example of like the most beneficial thing that uh, you've experienced from being part of EO? So, so EO, it's important to distinguish EO in terms of it's an entrepreneur support group. It's not a chamber of commerce. It's not where you go to exchange business cards. It's truly a group of people helping people. And, and it, I've got more stories that I can count of entrepreneurs. A good one is we just had uh, what was called the Global Leadership Conference uh, in South Africa. And our local president, incoming chapter president, his wife uh, slipped and fell down the stairs one night and broke her leg. And um, pretty severely needed surgery the whole nine yards. And it was the kind of thing where they were at an EO conference. So the, the local South African chapter, there's chapters all over the world. First thing that happened is a local member gave them the keys to their house and said, as long as you need to stay here, wow. my house is yours. The, another, another EO chapter member said, hey, I'm good friends with the, the president of the best hospital in, in South Africa, Johannesburg. I'm going to get him on the phone. I'm going to get your wife into surgery with the best surgeon and we're going to take care of him. That all happened. Um, they needed, and, and unfortunately, you know, South Africa is no short trip and they had two young teenage boys here in town um, who were home alone and their stay got extended another month. And so their kids were alone for like another month. Well, the whole chapter here in Colorado came together and, like the outpouring of taking care of their kids and food and, and um, you know, even money, like the, it's out of pocket, right? They didn't have travel insurance. So there was a GoFundMe and it helped pay for the whole experience. And that's what I mean. Like EO is a community of, of crazy people um, that take <laughs> care of each other. Oh, I love that. I love that. And of course, you have to be crazy to be an entrepreneur. So, <laughs> but crazy yeah, people you, sometimes help each other. <laughs> yeah. I, I work, I work 80 hours a week for myself. So I don't have to work 40 hours for someone else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, we have two uh, questions to wrap this up here. Um, the What are the non-negotiable actions as an entrepreneur to scale to the, the seven figure, eight figure mark, in your opinion? Non negotiables. Yeah. Be flexible. Realize that failure and mistakes are, are actually an ingredient to success. If you're not, you're not failing, if you're not making mistakes, you're not going to be successful. Hmm. Um, the world needs you, actually, is probably the biggest one. Um, 
if you if you look around, you know, like even whatever this thing is, this wasn't made by government. This wasn't made by some giant corporation, some wacky entrepreneur, or better yet, right, our iPhones. Everyone in the world carries, and this has improved humanity's quality of life unfathomable amounts. It was because some crazy guy, Steve and Bosniak, got together in a garage and risked everything to make this thing happen, right? So everything we have in our lives that we value is because some entrepreneur took a chance, mortgaged their house, took out 25 credit cards to pay for it, and made it a reality. And that's, again, why I do what I do is because the more we help entrepreneurs, it raises the quality of life for everyone on the planet. I love that. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, so tell us uh, more about, uh, yeah, you, you want to be able to offer a uh, strategic plan uh, yeah, architect so to it, the audience? Yeah. For anyone that's listening, marketing is really overwhelming. It's really, again, expensive. Um, and, and if you're typically, if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, you're focused on your thing, you probably don't know what marketing is, right? Like if you're a software engineer or whatever. Um, so we have this thing we have called the single sheet marketing plan, and it's a way to help non-marketers and even marketers get real clear on what it is they need to do and where they need to spend their time, money, and effort to actually produce a result. And so Anyone can go download it. It's it's at our site. It's marketingplanformula.com slash um, results for rapid results, right? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, either one. Mm -hmm. e e easy to remember. Um, but download that. It's meant to be a challenge. Like it's not easy to fill this thing out. Um, but do your best. And then we're happy to jump on the phone with you and help fill in the gaps. That's what we do. So. Love it. Th thank you, Russell. And and what's the best way people can contact you, get a hold of you, learn more from you? Probably just our site, marketingplanformula.com or you know LinkedIn or any... I don't do a lot of socials. That's not part of my marketing plan, but I am on them. So you can reach me through LinkedIn or uh, Facebook. Um, those are the two primaries or just our site. Um, and my email's up there. Like, Just email me. All right. And then the final question is, what's the one takeaway you want someone to have from this interview today? It's possible. It's not hopeless. It's not, it doesn't need to be overwhelming. Um, and, and success, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Find someone who's already done it and just don't copy them, but mirror what they've done. Like you don't need to make it so hard. Perfect. Well, thank you again for Russell for coming on today. This has been an absolute pleasure getting all your knowledge. Well, not all your knowledge, but at least a few golden nuggets from your uh, reservoir of knowledge, I should say, and uh, helping to make sure that we don't play the dummy tax, making uh, similar mistakes, and we're able to just uh, yeah, like uh, rocket to success. <laughs> so, we'll pay the dummy tax. Yes. So we all, know, we all pay our fair share, right? Death attack. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So definitely make sure to check out uh, Russell's link. It's uh, marketingplanformula.com slash results. Um, reach out to him if you have more questions. And we'll see you all next week for another episode of Rapid Results with Andrew Weiss. And until then, see you later, everyone. That concludes another episode of Rapid Results. Remember to leave a review about something you learned so others can share the knowledge. Keep being unstoppable in your pursuit of the lifestyle freedom you desire. And we'll see you next week.